right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast, the Ripper edition, one of the many phrases I have picked up in our time. Down under, Solly here, here with our guy Ben Hotelling. Not a frequent guest on the No Laying Up podcast, or is this the first time you've actually been on the podcast? I think I've totaled like, you know, seven, maybe eight minutes on the NLU podcast so so far. So uh, it's great to be here. For those that are not familiar uh, with our video network and whatnot, Ben works on that side of the house. Uh, he has been... Uh, on this trip down here with me to the Asia Pacific Amateur uh, at Royal Melbourne. Before we get to that, we got a, so much to talk about coming off this week, but we, of course, need to remind you this episode is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf at every level of competitive golf, especially when the game's biggest titles are on the line. More players choose to tee up a Pro V1 or Pro V1X golf ball than any other golf ball. Uh, ben, we saw a lot, a lot, a lot of Titleist equipment from uh, woods and irons all the way down to the golf ball. Spent a lot of time on first tees. A lot of people showing the uh, – I got the whole vibe of like, yeah, I'm a four, I'm a one, whatever I'm playing. But it was almost all Titleist golf balls. Um, uh, and really, the main theme there being there's just no way you can play your best golf unless you are playing the right golf ball. This golf course – it demanded that you knew exactly what your ball was going to do when it hit the green. I got a, a quick story I got to tell on that is we got to play a little bit of golf down here on the sand belt, and we went over to Sandy Links across the street from Royal Melbourne, and, and uh, it's Ben's first time playing any kind of sand belt golf. And I watched you reach for wedge a couple times, like go for the big high shot, and I was like, young buck, that's not the shot, man. Like you need to hit a little runner here. But with the golf ball you play, the equipment you play, you were able to hold up on top of some of these greens. I was not, I was stunned by that. It was just to say, like, oh man, yeah, this guy's got, this guy's got in control of his golf ball. Yeah, it's, uh, it's extremely challenging, the golf down here. And uh, to your point, the woods, I'd never seen that many Titleist woods in one place. All the best amateurs coming to this tournament were, uh, were playing Titleist woods. And uh, of course, the golf ball, we knew that already. Yeah, we though. knew that. We knew that. Head over to Titleist.com to start the process and find out which golf ball is best for your game. Listen, the Asia-Pacific Amateur Championship uh, has not been a topic we've covered in the past. I'm sure we've mentioned the winners. I'm sure we've mentioned what's on the line that comes from this tournament. But have to admit, I've not not been the most informed on this. It hasn't necessarily piqued my interest. I've uh, I, I've been... I've, as far as I can remember, going back, I've been we've been quick to praise Augusta National RNA uh, and, and the USGA as it relates to the Latin American Championship uh, for both the the initiatives that have come with this tournament. Of hey, here is a huge tournament we're going to put up in this part of the world, and what we are going to reward you with is astronomical. It's enormous. It is huge. Uh, they've invested a huge amount of money, time, effort into an event that. At the end of it, the winner is going to go to the Masters and to the Open Championship. That's about the extent of what I knew about it going into it. Is that about similar for you? Yeah, honestly, I didn't Not even, even know that. that <laughs> I didn't even know that there was an open bid in the line. I just knew that it was one of the few ways to get into the Masters if you're not, you know, in the top echelon of the game. So uh, that's really all I knew about it. Um, I didn't know the level of courses that they went to for this well they never ne haven't necessarily and i want to get to that right that's a big reason of why we probably ended up here was the event was held this year on the composite course at royal melbourne which i'm 
I've been thinking about it all week, and I think I'm ready to declare it. It is the best golf course in the world. Like I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure it is for like, I should say for this exact level of competition. Still, probably a little short for the highest level of professional golf. Um, the old course is still my favorite course, but it's short and kind of silly for professional golf. But this is like the greatest possible test I could have ever imagined watching people play golf on. So that's to say, like, it, it, I feel like it took an elevated step this year taking this championship to this golf course, to this golf community, and to this golf atmosphere uh, in Melbourne. Like, we can talk a little bit about what the whole golf atmosphere is like down here and how much that has me ready to run through a wall. But that I, I we got had got a chance to have some conversations with Martin Slumbers this week, with Fred Ridley this week, and I made that point specifically to both of them to say, like, hey, venues matter. Like, we got a nudge to come down here, kind of an invite to come down here. We got teed up really well. I've, I try to go to maybe one tournament a year that is a little little off the beaten path from what we would usually go to. Last year we went to the BMW Ladies Championship in Korea. Wanted to learn a bit a bit more about golf in Korea, and this one just lined up perfectly to say like. And we'll get into kind of the second aspect of this championship, which kind of blew us away as well. I wanted to learn more about what this was because I sure as heck learned a lot. And I have a feeling people listening to this, if you're listening to a, a fall golf podcast about an uh, amateur championship on the other side of the world for most of our listeners, I'm guessing you're kind of into it as well. Yeah, well, I, I think they, they definitely should be. Um, the level of golf that we saw was wide. It was a, a very um, unique tournament in that, who was actually playing had uh, you know some of the best players in the world and some that are you know very much on the on the come up, uh, but it was reinvigorating. I mean, it, it really brought the that sense of um, you know, nerves to the game. You could see it on the first tee, and was just very exciting to see these these individuals with uh, such a big carrot at the end. You know, go go chase it on an incredible golf course, and and like you said with the. Uh, the distance element, um, it, it seemed to, to fit the scale of what was happening out there extremely, extremely well. Uh, we'll get into, you know, the, the people of Melbourne and how great and gracious they were um, to have this this event. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's something I, I'm really, really happy to have seen. So we have been shooting a lot of content this week. We're going to have a video um, that I think we originally thought was going to be about 12 minutes. It might be a little longer now that we have dove into it and got to meet so many people. That was kind of the main reason uh, we made the trip down here was to kind of try to cover the championship in our way. Uh, we're really excited about that. That's going to take a little while, but we were kind of just foaming at the mouth and buzzing a little bit to talk about the experience. And I, I again, I, I, don't, I don't know. I've never been to a tournament where I've enjoyed the like walking the grounds of the tournament and the course as much as this one. I mean, it's pretty lax atmosphere. They you know they try to keep you off the fairways for following the groups, but tickets were free for anyone. You can roll up and pretty much see whatever you wanted. And the climate here, it's spring has has sprung here in Melbourne, and the uh, the sun being out and one of the firmest golf courses I've ever seen. Of course, of course, we were reminded multiple times. It can get much firmer than this, you know. Just I'm sure wait till January. I'm Sally. sure they slowed it down a little bit for the championship. We heard all that, but I uh, I played this golf course a lot in video games as a kid, and I never pictured like traveling to it. And just like I, you and I spent so much time on the the Five West, which was the tournament eleventh uh, hole this week, just watching golf shots come in, watching. Try, kids trying to figure out how you land the ball in the front half of the screen without coming up short, having the ball roll 50 yards back, not landing it too far into the green, having it bound in the middle, go all the way over the green and have an impossible up and down. 
it was that exercise on repeat for 72 holes. It was taxing. It was nobody finished under par in this championship. Uh, we are going to get a, play, a chance to play the composite course today. We are not going to finish under par in our championship today. Like Spoiler it, it's alert. Just not, it's just not going to happen. It's just extremely, extremely difficult without being long with width. It is... You know, I feel like we we try to hammer home the, our our love of width and angles and all this stuff. It just doesn't come to life very often, but it did on this golf course this week. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's completely changed my uh, perspective on what good golf is. Yeah. It is super super wide out there, but also it's it's not at all. If you really start to look at you know how do you attack these pins, you know we've all heard the maybe thirty feet is a, a great shot. Sometimes here like. Keeping it on the green is a great shot. With wedge. With wedge, yes, absolutely. And we saw, you know, Samson here on uh, his ninth hole, right? Little flip wedge, and ball trickles off the back very, very easily. And it's he had to make an absolutely outstanding uh, next couple shots to, to leave with a par on a hole that some kids were driving, which was, uh, I say kids, there's Just, people of all ages yeah. out there, but uh, it felt like a lot of, you know, up and coming amateurs that we were watching at the uh, at the top of the board. So it really, really opened my eyes into what golf is and the strategic element of how golf is is played. Um, it, it really, really changed my perspective. And I'd, I'd love to dive in even deeper on, um, you know, the game of golf and how it uh, it's much more than execution and this place really really amplified that uh, to the nth degree and I've, this is always the part where i struggle with my words despite it being my job to explain one how why i get so much joy out of watching i mean this is not lynx golf this is sandbelt golf but it's the same aspects of it in terms of just the firmness and what it does to your mind and walking up to five west which is tournament 11 this week and what during the practice round and watching guys try to hit that green with the wind off the left. It just it, it hit me a little bit to say, like, all right, most like PGA Tour golf is saying, like, hey, execute this shot right here to the middle of the green. Like, you can shape it. You can fade it if you want. You can draw it if you want. Uh, you know, just, just execute this shot. And this was asking, can you hit a draw? You have to draw this ball up against a left-to-right win, a strong left-to-right win. Because the green is so firm, if you have this moving left to right when it lands, it will not hold and will end up in the right bunker. So how can you hit this shot that is high enough to not get destroyed by the wind, low enough, you know, that it or I'm sorry, low enough that it doesn't get destroyed by the wind, high enough that it doesn't just run through the back of the green? It asks an extremely specific question of can you execute this shot? And then when you flip over the next hole, it might be the complete opposite shot. It that's where you get to it being a complete test. And that's where we go back to like Maybe we haven't even begun to fully understand the genius of Tiger's 2019 President's Cup singles match round. Like, just watching him play to the right side of 6 West Fairway to be able to attack the left pin. And the, the, the people of Melbourne still talking about how he played that. That's just, man, after a year of, of golf, like, breaking my heart on repeat... I just feel so rejuvenated after this week. And I mean, listen, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm phobic at the mouth as well because we get to play the composite course today and I'm so excited, but I don't know, man. It was, that was just peak, peak golf to me. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think that that Tiger element in, in the President's Cup, I mean, we heard that since Tuesday, 
people talking about, you know, specific holes and specific shots that they're always going to remember. And, you know, to your point, I, I think, you know, you and I in America, we're, we're decent golfers. I feel entirely inadequate to go out there and try and play that golf course and specifically try to shoot any sort of number. It's just not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's extremely, extremely obvious in some instances of like what shots required uh, with, with specific holes that are tucked on corners of greens and things like that and ridges that you have to fight, winds that are, are whipping across. And, you know, that, that artist versus mechanic that, KVV always likes to talk about this one felt like if you were a mechanic and hitting the same shot on repeat the Colin Morikawa method uh, you would you would really struggle out there to be able to shoot any sort of score um, I'm sure he'd be able to figure it out but uh, would have to be playing extremely boldly which it's gonna gonna slap you on the wrist if you you tried to do that so yeah it's it's a totally different game it, it truly truly is it is such a blast to watch like 360 yard holes kind of melt these guys' minds a little bit and watch the varying strategies of 360 yard holes. Again, most like pro golf, a, you know, a shortish four or a drivable four. By the end of the week, the style of playing it gets pretty homogenized. Like, unless you're a total bunter, like almost everyone's going for it. Hit it near the green, figure it out from there. There's just no, the, none of the short fours is there an element of a hit it, let's hit it near there and just figure it out. Like we'll get it up and down from there. You have to position yourself. We were talking to a guy who, uh, who was a member there who, when he plays three West, which was nine for the tournament, which was the first hole for the President's Cup, that's good. We could talk a little bit about that. That's, I know it's all confusing, but he hits driver down there to like 50 yards and he just puts it up to the middle of the green, like just puts it through a gully up there. But just to say, like, let me get aboard this hole. And like, that's, that's how I play this hole versus, trying to figure out how to land a wedge and, and hold it and spin it and, and all of the, the aspects that go into it. But again, just like when the when the turf's not firm, none of this stuff matters. It just it, it doesn't matter. And that's where, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm so excited to tackle this. We should probably mention uh, the results of the tournament. Again, usually usually when we go to a tournament, the, the, the results lead about 90% of what we talk about. But I think it's probably going to be about 10% to 90% flipped of, uh, of the kind of off course and other elements of this tournament. But uh, Jasper Stubbs from Australia won the tournament in a thrilling playoff. Uh, Samson, uh, going back though, Samson Zhang from China, who uh, attends the University of California, he uh, shot a court, amateur course record, amateur composite course record, 65, six under par on Saturday, on a day when four players broke par. The second best round was two under par. Samson Zhang shot six under par to take a four-shot lead or five-shot lead into the final round. Four-shot lead. Oh, no. Yes, four-shot lead. It yes. opened up to five at some point it on did. Sunday. Um, but he took an enormous lead going into that day. Just an absolutely flawless round of golf. He had to seven under at one point. We watched some of that round in the clubhouse. There were some, some guys that had already finished. And man, when he was rolling in putts, there was just like audible, whoa, groans coming from players in the field. I, You and I watched a lot of golf this week. I saw almost no made putts. Putting was so hard. And this guy went out and broke the, the composite course record. They put it up on the wall. It was a, a pretty ridiculous moment. But... Man, as we uh, as we as we heard from Colt Nose walking the seventy second hole of the tournament, pressure is a bitch, and uh, it really looked like it got to him. But it just it looked like the hardest possible golf course to hold a fifty four hole lead on, and he was unable to do so yesterday. Yeah, you you got to follow him for what nine ten holes. Set the scene. Like, what what were you seeing? You were you were sharing with me that saw some uh, you know sweat beating off the brow, uh, maybe a little. 
little too much um, sunscreen being applied. <laughs> I guess what, what 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 were you seeing out there from? Well, Samson? he just it uh, again. I'm obsessed with this aspect of like everyone we interviewed in the early part of the week. I asked like, all right, it's Tuesday. All right, it's Wednesday. Are you thinking about the fact that there's a master spit on the line? And like most of them are pretty much like, yeah, you know, like it's pretty hard to ignore. Like you go to the first tee. And the Masters trophy was sitting there, and a replica of the Claret Jug was sitting there along with the Asia Pacific Amateur Championship trophy. Like the signage around all the tee boxes says Masters and RNA. Like, if you think for one second you can forget about what comes, uh, you know, I, I know this, I don't want to diminish the, the accomplishment of winning the championship, but like those are just enormous, enormous things for a golfer. And Jasper Stubbs talked about it when he talked about the putt that he hit on the, in the first hole of the playoff of like, yeah, that was the dream of like the putt to get in the Masters. And it's impossible to ignore, impossible to probably get to sleep on that uh, 54 hole lead. He played a fine nine front nine, and I kind of thought he had it. Uh, but then flip o- flipping over to the back nine, it just became really, really nervy. He uh, he got to some of the hardest holes in the golf course. He He pulled one into the bunker on the tournament 11th, which is five west, the famous par three made bogey, flipped over to 6 West, which is 12 tournament. Again, one of the best golf holes in the world. Uh, went over that green, could not get up and down, made bogey again. Made a great birdie on 13, which is 1 West, a short 4. And then he hit, I think, one good shot in the final six holes. He was lucky to two-putt the uh, the the 14th hole. He, uh, he three-putted the 15th hole, hit a great shot into 16, but missed the birdie putt, and then just had a collapse on the 17th hole. Had iron in on the par five. All he had to do was not hit it in the cross bunkers that come up short of that green. He missed short right, pitched out of the bunker from 50 yards to 40 feet and three-putted it, and all of a sudden he was tied. Hit it in the greenside bunker on the 72nd hole. Got a, had a great up and down to get into a three-man playoff. You were up following the group up ahead. With Jasper Stubbs and and Win Yi Ding, who uh, um, ended up in the three man playoff, and then from there they went back to the tee. I was it was a buzz, man. It was it was a scene getting an Aussie in the playoff, uh, obviously in Australia, and with uh, a lot of Australian fans there and all of Golf Australia uh, team members up there watching it was was a buzz. And uh, I, what was the length of putt that Jasper pulled in poured in on the first playoff hole? Twenty five feet, thirty feet. Yeah, and but that doesn't tell the story i mean he swung this thing out seven eight feet uh left of it and it was a trickly scary one down the hill and it was uh it was dead center i mean it it came in at like nine o'clock like it was it was very very challenging putt and he kept saying i've been liking the look of those putts i don't know how you like the look of a putt that breaks seven feet (laughs) nobody made these all week nobody it was that was the first birdie on 18 all day seriously yes Oh, my God, I did not know that. That was the first birdie on 18 all day, which is remarkable. And what's even more remarkable is uh, when you ding, did it right back on top of him to force a second second playoff hole. If you want to see these clips, they're on the Asia Pacific Amateur, uh, uh, I'm sure, website, but on their Twitter feed. I retweeted the, the two putts on there because there's a great – TV angle as well for Ding's father when he who's his, was caddying for him is kind of in the foreground of the shot when he makes it. He goes nuts when he poured that in. I mean, it was, again, after 72 holes of watching dudes just miss, miss, miss. The whole tournament was a, like, just reaching, like, clawing as best you could to stay at par, to make pars. I don't recall watching one single 15-footer roll in the entire week, and to watch those two back-to-back was just 
amazing. Zhang was unfortunately eliminated there. Um, we have a lot, a lot, a lot of footage of Zhang just kind of going through the ringer of that back nine and just camera. We're not the only camera in his face. Like TV cameras are right in his face after every hole, after every putt, because uh, it looked like he was the story. And um, I'm sure it was probably a pretty heartbreaking night for him. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was with the group ahead of um, Samson, and I would say it was pretty opposite to what you were experiencing. Um, you know, Stubbs and, and Ding were, they were flushing it, and they were very much trying to gain a shot or two coming in. It was very, very interesting to see. Uh, when he's very, he's very calm, collected, doesn't that really... pace of play god. Yes. It was, uh, was what one Twitter user referred to him as. I We couldn't get in, in position to film his shot on, this, on the first playoff hole because he hit it so fast. I know, yeah. Um, you know, it, it was the exact opposite of his dad. He, he was <laughs> very cool, and his, his dad was uh, living and dying with every every piece of contact, love that. contact that, uh, that he had. So, um, you know, they were... It was. I felt it in the air. I, I know that sounds silly, but it's like I think I think the winner's going to come out of this group. You yeah. were texting me like, eh, "It's not going so good back here," and uh, I felt the exact opposite. I was like, "One of these Aussies is going to do something." Like they are, they are centering the ball, and it's Max Charles was the other one in the group, I believe, and he made a good run at it as well. He did. He did. He made a really nice birdie on um, fifteen. He finished one shot out of the playoff. Yeah, yeah, and just uh, just was unable to get up and down on, on seventeen to to make it a four man playoff. But um, yeah, I guess you know set the set the scene for the uh, the fans out there. I thought it was you know quite impressive um, how many ended up coming out and uh, definitely added to the nerve factor coming up eighteen. Oh yeah, I mean it was I mean it, it was a, a decent crowd there around eighteen, an incredible scene. The uh, so for those that aren't familiar with 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 composite courses, I'm not going to go into my whole spiel on it. But Royal Royal Melbourne is made up of the West Course and the East Course, and there are hope I get all this right. I've I've been working hard on this. There's 14 West holes on the main paddock, which sits all you know. You don't have to cross uh, a, a road until you get to the after the 12th hole in the West Course. You cross over, play 13 through 16 on the West, and you come back onto the main paddock uh, for the final two. So there's 14 that sit on the main one. And there's seven east holes that sit on this main paddock. So for tournaments and competitions and for spectators and all that, they try to keep all of the competition on the main. Or they do keep all the competition on the main paddock in what is called the composite course. Um, so the 18th hole on the east course plays as the 18th hole traditionally. Uh, the final hole of the composite course. Now, for the President's Cup, they moved that up to the 16th hole so they could get more players to play that hole, which is an incredible hole. It reminded me so much of the 18th hole at LACC, and it reminded me also of what could have been with that tournament in terms of, I mean, it's a dogleg left, huge wide fairway. Wyndham Clark's teach, all of Wyndham Clark's tee shots would find the, the 18th fairway at Royal Melbourne East as well. But when you get the wind and when you get the firmness of the greens and you have the bunkers encroaching on the green, it is genuinely one of the hardest approach shots into a green you can imagine that doesn't have water, doesn't have much slope to it really. Or There's no drama with it other than to say, like, it is firm. Can you shape a shot in the right way and fit it somewhere on this green and fit it at pins? And uh, the shots that we saw in the playoff from Stubbs and Ding, like you said, no one birdied the hole all day. And then when they had to, when somebody had to go at the pin, both those guys got it over the bunker at that pin, and Zhang was unable to to get it close, and uh, they rolled in these two dramatic putts. 
and did it. Then Dang went for it again in the second playoff hole, ended up in the bunker, couldn't get it up and down after a really sick bunker shot that he somehow stopped short of the pin. He was doing that all day. It was crazy. Like, as we know, the Aussie bunkers are very, very, you know, knife's edge to the green. I mean, he's landing these eight inches onto the green in order for it to, to stop. It was truly impressive. He did that on 14 as well and got it up to, you know, two, three inches, which, you know, I'm looking at it. I'm like, God, if he keeps this on the green, it would be a, an outstanding <laughs> shot. Yeah, it was extremely impressive. And they were scary looking from the fairway. Both of those shots um, yeah, in uh, the first playoff hole and the second one when Ding made contact, it's like, oh, God, that good. that's not that's not good at all. It was sick, though. I mean, why? First of all, I did not think the play was at the pin in that first playoff hole. So no. when they, both those balls were flying at it, I'm like, oh, no, like you guys are about to get bit. And then they land, and you hear the roars, like the roar of just, oh. like There was no roars out there for most of the week because there just wasn't many birdies being made. But to hear that roar was just, uh, again, it, it's it's. I don't know how much this translated to TV. I don't know how much listeners care about all this stuff. We're just giving you our genuine reaction uh, to attending a really, really fun tournament in person. Um, and then, yeah, just seeing somebody's life change from winning it um, and, and, and Zhang get, being so close to having his life change. Uh, another kind of cool story about this, Bo Jin, who was the, the runner-up and he finished third in the last two of these. He has uh, had his share of heartbreak in this championship, had it won last year and gave it away, uh, lost it with a water ball. He was out following. He's also from China. Um, Samson Zhang is from China. He was out following uh, Samson and like rooting him on and basically giving him advice in between holes and telling him you got this. We got some cool clips and interviews with him just, uh, you know, uh, going through that final stretch. But that was just a, something of note to say, like, I'm sure those two had a conversation last night of like, yeah, we both have been so painfully close to, to having this um, achievement and it just didn't work out. But yeah, one thing one thing that I saw that um, going to stick for me or stick with me for a, a very, very long time, I happened to be gosh, 10 feet away from Ding after uh, it had been wrapped up by Stubbs. You know, he had, he, he did the, you know, Torsos move of marking the, the <laughs> six-inch six putt, putt. <laughs> um, just to make sure he could have the last one. He sat there and watched absolutely intently as Team Australia came out and, um, you know, doused Stubbs with champagne and he's celebrating, having a good time, uh, having the best time. And he just watched, and it, it very much reminded me of that, um, you know, that Super Bowl, that Buffalo Bills player that watched as, uh, you know, his team lost to, to go to the Super Bowl. And I don't know, it just, it really, it actually, like, really mellowed my mood out. It was extremely lonely at the moment when Stubbs was having an experience that was uh, far from it, and he just, he just stood there and watched, and it didn't, didn't have anything on his face. He wasn't, you know, tearing up or anything like that. He just, it, he just felt really, it felt really lonely. It felt like a very tough experience. And, and, you know, everyone was cheering him on. Everybody wanted him to do well. I thought the Aussie fans were, you know, yeah, of course they wanted their guy to win, but um, extremely respectful and, and cheered for his good shots and were really excited for him as well. And all of a sudden it just completely got ripped away from him. Um, it was, uh, it was just an interesting experience. It's tough to put into words what what it felt like but um yeah it, it i was excited i i you know smiled when when Stubbs had it wrapped up it was fun to watch the aussies roll out and then all of a sudden it just hit me like a ton of bricks like somebody is feeling the exact opposite of Stubbs right now and uh you know he uh i just happened to be close enough where it um, i could feel his pain for sure 
Uh, I want to talk a bit about the second aspect of this tournament that I think kind of resonated with all of us. Uh, but before we do that, we got to give a shout out. There was uh, we got a couple couple. Uh, we had a, a lot of great interactions with a lot of local people, big golf fans down here. Uh, I got a couple shout outs to the subtle dog logo. Like you, of course, you, somebody literally <laughs> came up to me. He's like, you can't go anywhere without seeing that subtle dog <laughs> logo. You know, I'm talking about Roback. Uh, there's only one way to describe Roback that is best fit. Best feel. It's summer's kicking off down here, uh, down in Melbourne, or getting close to. Um, it, but it is the perfect time to load up on the best gear that we own. They have fantastic polos. They got USA themes. They got classic solids and stripes. They got all kinds of incredible stuff. They're four-way stretch, moisture-wicking fabric. They will get you through a warm summer day. They're great to wear to the office if you're taking a more casual look to the office. The performance hoodies were really clutch this week. We did not get much heat down here. They're the stretchiest, softest hoodies in golf. If you want to be comfortable and relaxed on the course, then wear a Roback hoodie. I am wearing them pretty close to every single day. I'm recycling the orange one today. Uh, don't tell anyone about that. The Performance Q-Zips are a game changer. Nothing beats rocking a Q-Zip for an early round of golf. Like I said, we cannot go anywhere without spying the Subtle Dog logo or the two-striped ridge on the back. You can use code NLU at Roback.com for a generous 20% off your first order through the end of this week. That's spelled R-H-O-B-A-C-K dot com, 20% off polos, Q-zips, hoodies, and more with code N-L-U. Yeah, we had a Spider-Man gif at the uh, back right. of the second green. That's right. Same shoes, we were, same rowback hoodie. I had the, yeah, we both had the same foot joy shoes on, and he was wearing the, uh, the, the, the blue, and I don't know how you would describe the rowback, but literally we were wearing almost the same exact outfit. So, um, so uh, I would say... A big reason why we also made this trip was we were talking with some of the tournament organizers beforehand, and they were kind of, you know, describing what is the aspects of this tournament. And I was a little, I don't know, I would say a little embarrassed that I didn't kind of know all this going into it, but was just stunned to hear. I think the original uh, plan was 41 countries, but it eventually ended up with people from 37 countries were represented in this championship. And it... I, I, what's the proper way to say this, I guess? I was amazed at the commitment level to uh, of this championship at providing opportunities for golfers from less established golf countries to have truly the golf week of their lives. Whether they play one of these, whether they play... We've talked to somebody who's played 10 of these. Uh, people from countries, honestly, I weren't sure weren't countries, were countries. Uh, I did not know. I, I have to admit, I did not know the Cook Islands were considered a country. They have a population of 15,000 people. They have one nine-hole golf course. We got to meet William Howard and Christopher Williamson from the Cook Islands. Uh, again, they have just a nine-hole golf course. We walked a couple holes with them in the practice round. Uh, Christopher said he was having trouble, like a little bit of trouble in his mind of taking divots off the fairways at Royal Melbourne because he said that's what our greens look like back in the Cook Islands. And it again, RNA and Augusta National. The interview we did with Martin Slumbers, it'll be in the video as well. He says, Look, we we have we believe we have an obligation through our financial resources to provide opportunities to uh, people from countries like Bhutan, Brunei, Nepal, Pakistan. I mean, I keep like Oman, we can keep going of all these Jordan. places that, yeah, Jordan, places that have you know, some of these countries don't even have 10 golf courses, but. They fly people, they fly these kids and adults to this tournament. Uh, they put them up in these hotels. The food is incredible. We saw, I would say we saw 70 plus percent of the field that missed the cut out there at the tournament on Saturday and Sunday, putting on the putting green, playing putting games, like at all the galas and the, and the events at night. 
the level of investment in this event, it, it just left me with a warm and fuzzy feeling of saying like, yeah, they wanted they they part of the reason like they, they probably invited us to this tournament is to help get this message out. And but at the same time, this is the fourteenth edition of this championship. They they the organizers truly seem dead set on here is the level of investment we're willing to make in developing golf in these countries. They have these academies now set up in all these countries. And I just walked away with the feeling of like, all right, hey, it might be 50 years before we see the first or the next great golfer from Vietnam or Malaysia or Pakistan or but coming from I come from a country where golf has been very 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 well established for over 100 years and there's a lineage from Bobby Jones to you know Byron Nelson to Jack Nicklaus to Arnold Palmer to Watson to Tiger Woods to like the guys from today that is had a chance to grow on itself and to see like you know a lot of these guys from these countries don't have like countrymen to look up to that have had success on the world stage if and they don't have competitive environments that are developed in their home countries to like develop their skills so now they come to this event see what jasper Stubbs's game is like see what samson zhang's game game is like and see what Royal Melbourne is like as a test and go home and say like, all right, I now I need to take my game to the next level. Competition breeds excellence. And I uh, we just met so many like cool dudes from a lot of these places this week that left me with a feeling of like, hey, they might shoot big scores this year. But there's a ton of great stories that of guys that have shot 92, 90 and missed cuts at this event and two years later come back and shot two under par and made the cut. And now I'm intrigued. There's like 10 guys whose careers I'm intrigued to follow and follow up on in this championship in future years. I don't know. I'm rambling, but like I got a genuine like, uh, you know, again, back to like golf breaking my heart a lot. There was a lot to take away from this that made me, you know, made me feel encouraged about golf in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think Martin in that interview we had with him also mentioned that he wants the individuals when they step up to the first tee to feel like this is something they've never felt before that this experience is is significant and he thinks that that's you know one of the only ways that you're going to get individuals um ready and and i guess reading through the the tea leaves excited about potentially feeling that again you know for these individuals which i thought was uh was interesting and i i would have to agree you know given the the circumstance and like you said with the trophies out there but it is working it seemingly it is working at um you know maybe not well time will tell out to what level um, you know it is working in the, in the moment but we followed uh, Ryan Ong for for quite a while he's from uh, Singapore this was his second um, ACC and he did make the cut last year you know and talking with him it seemed like that was a huge accomplishment last year he ended up you know mid 40s in the field this year came out and uh you know got a top 20 after spotting the field 11 shots in round one he shot an 82 in round one uh he followed it with 71 72 70 in some of the most difficult conditions i've ever watched people play golf in uh and it was he just we fought we got a lot of this on camera we followed him around a lot had the biggest smile on his face the whole time he, he loved the camera when when he walked off a green after a birdie uh he absolutely loved it and uh i mean it's a tremendous accomplishment i mean it's 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 remarkable i I, I I do not know another golfer from Singapore. Like to that point, like you know, it's it, it, I don't know enough about what golf development programs are like in Singapore. But like that speaks to uh, the, a foundation has been laid there for him to become a competitive golfer in some way. And I would have to imagine at least some of it traces traces back to this championship. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he seemed extremely, you know, happy with, with how he, he showed out. He wanted to get a top 15, which I think is, uh, given the field, a massive, massive accomplishment. And he came really, really darn close. And it was just very, very interesting to see and hear him talk about how he cannot wait to get back, how he's just absolutely chomping at the bit to keep competing, uh, keep playing in tournaments so next year he can uh, he can give it a run. He also was out following that final group. You know, just talked about learning opportunities as well, just seeing these other individuals play and, and how their game stacks up and how it's just such a good, not only a good test for their game, but them develop and, and see what it's going to take to maybe play Division One golf or, you know, maybe be able to turn pro one day. So, yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's great to see and it's, it's fun to, fun to follow some of these individuals i think you know ryan's might be my favorite golfer now so i can't <laughs> wait to, to continue to follow him uh, as he progresses and um, i wish him all all the best moving forward my favorite golfer might be uh, a gentleman from nepal his name is subash tamam subash. Uh, he i hope i'm saying his name right but last year he became the first golfer uh, representing the country of nepal to make the cut at the asia pacific amateur and again i hope i have all the details of this of this story right but as i understand it I don't pretend to know everything about the Nepal Golf Association. I, in fact, I believe this is the only thing I know about the <laughs> Nepal Golf Association. But uh, they've financially supported him and his family, like as he's progressed through golf. And I, again, I don't know where they, where the Nepal Golf Association gets their funding. But I, I again, I imagine it traces back something through Asia Pacific Golf Federation, uh, the RNA, and probably this championship in, in some capacity. But. The NGA raised money to build Subash and his family a house in their village. Like his parents make bricks from mud in their village, and he dropped out of school to help them make mud bricks to earn enough money to, like, to support the family. And he eventually was sent to live with his aunt in the capital city. That's where he became a spotter at the local golf course before picking up the game. And he ended up missing the cut by one shot this week. Uh, from what we saw of it, absolute stripe show off oh, yeah. the tee, and you know we uh, we spent some time talking with Joy, uh, who kind of helped surf kind of as his translator. Joy's from India; he's a, a golf media member, and uh, we you know he, he he talked to us about man he, he can tee the green; he's got the game, but like he's just never seen anything like the greens at Royal Melbourne. And in his defense, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like the greens at Royal Melbourne. I don't know how you practice on the, or I don't know how you prepare for that. Um, but to you know a year after making the cut last year to missing the cut by one. I was pulling for this guy harder than any anyone else in the field. He was an absolute delight uh, to talk to. He does not speak English. We had to, you know, we translated everything through joy, but we had a, a great interview with him to just, you know, he reflected on all the people in his life that have contributed to uh, helping him, like, achieve the dream of competing at Royal Melbourne. I, I don't know, man. It's just like... I met so many people this week from countries that I've never met them, and it all is through the game of golf, right? And it just speaks to uh, somebody, a lot of people had to, you know, put a lot of time and effort into standing up a championship like this. And to see all that come together in one place and all the guys from the different golf associations and their matching suits and all the things that, like, you just tell, like, you know, the, the individual programs from these countries are, like, propping up. Uh, these adults and kids competing in these championships. It was just great. Another guy, Azan from Oman, he competed in this championship at Royal Melbourne in 2014 when his son was one year old, one years old. He had his 10-year-old son on the bag for part of the championship. I don't know if he caddied for him in the actual tournament, but during the practice rounds, his 10-year-old son was pushing the cart around. He was following him around with every shot. And Was uh, was he pushing the cart around or was the cart pushing it the might son have been around? The, it might have been the other way. He might have just been drifting with the wind <laughs> as well, but... 
uh, I don't know, stuff like that. You know, he, he was a thrill to talk to as well. He says that, you know, I think the sixth golf course in Oman is in construction right now. Like there's only five golf courses right now in Oman. But, uh, you know, he was so proud to be there representing his country and to be competing in that championship. Again, a lot of these guys are not competing for the Masters bid, are not competing, you know, for the RNA and the the Open Championship bid. But that doesn't mean that, it, you know, their performance, their own individual uh, championships were, you know, probably whatever their own individual goals were set. And uh, that, that part was just legitimately, it was great. It was awesome. Yeah, and it's, it's tough to, you know, really wrap my head around, you know, exactly what this is. And I'm sure with us, our conversation so far, you can kind of understand that this championship is both a championship at the elite level to, you know, really propel an individual to, you know, become one of the best in the game. Um, but it's also a development. Yeah. hundred percent as well, which it's is not 120 of the best players in the world. No, it's not. It's, and it's, they're, they're proud of that, honestly. Right. And it's just, it's, it's an interesting, it's interesting to try and wrap your head around exactly like what it is and how it works and where it's positioned in the world of amateur golf. Um, but at the end of the day, like I think it's extremely important and I'm, I'm really glad it exists. Yeah. There is just simply like, there's not a barrier to entry financially or like where you come from in this tournament, right? There's opportunity. That was the big thing with Martin too, is like they're, Look, I, I I don't think they're expecting a huge payoff from you know the first golfer from Brunei to compete uh, in the event Sakir Ali, who we met. Um, I don't think that they're expecting him to to win the bid, uh, win win the tournament, and move on. But like, hey, maybe five, ten, fifty years down the road, there's going to be some kind of golf development in Brunei, and uh, I don't know. Again, that that stuff just kept kept resonating. Uh, Anmin Gwyn from Vietnam. I think he's 16 years old, if I remember right. He finished in the top 10. Uh, we had a blast talking with him in the earlier part of the week uh, as well. Um, and I want to give a shout-out to our guy Marcus Lim, who uh, is from Malaysia. Uh, he goes to Sacred Heart University in, in Connecticut. Uh, he also finished in the top 10. We spent a little time with him in the early part of the week. But Can we talk a little bit about golf in Australia? Yeah. Anything else you want to get off your chest about the, the tournament? No, I think that, that that's a wrap, but uh, I would like to talk about some some Sandbelt golf. The last I'll say about it is this, the golf was available on ESPN2 and ESPN Plus this past week. I think it was um, limited commercial. If, if, as I understand, I didn't get to watch it on TV, but I understand in the U.S. it was probably eight minutes of commercials per hour compared to 18 of PGA Tour golf. I hope people got a chance to tune in or set your DVRs. It's uh, I, I kept reminding people to set their DVRs just because you're going to see a style of golf that I don't know when we're going to see it again for the next time. Uh, and it, you know, whether or not you care about who wins the championship or whatnot, it's just a, it, for as much as we talk about golf courses and setup and all that, like this is it. Hopefully, if you got it saved in your DVR, if you're ever confused about what we're talking about, this is it. And uh, they, from what I could tell, the ESPN crew and, and all that did such a great job of, of covering the event and giving it kind of the gravitas that it, that it deserves. So, um, man, I, I've. <laughs> I might need to like come live in Melbourne for a little while. Like this is the only place I've ever been. It's like my it's my dream. Like everyone wants to talk about their own golf rounds. Nobody anywhere I go asks me about my golf rounds more than Melbourne. Like they're hey, right. are you playing in golf here? Where are you playing? Where are you playing? How'd you play? How'd you like Sandy? How'd you like Woodlands? How, like people are so amped. It takes so much pride in their golf here for for good reason. And we'll talk a lot about all that. But I've never met a seen a more of like vibrant golf community than the Melbourne Sandbelt. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, they're proud of their own individual golf course, but I think they're more proud about where Melbourne is in the world of golf. And they want you to go see all of it. 
want you to experience all of it. Uh, I think they're they're very aware at how challenging the golf is as well. Um, they take pride in that too. <laughs> they take pride in that absolutely, which I, I still am trying to wrap my head around just just how difficult it is. Uh, but. Yeah, it's it's you know they they come out and they want to watch really really good golf. I mean, so many people taking time off work to walk around you know Royal and, and see what's going on, and um, it's just it's just a very very different culture. And I, I gotta I gotta give a lot of props to the actual golf course Royal Melbourne to what they did. I, I think we we discussed and, and heard from some people that it's in their constitution to provide a place for top level amateur golf to, to grow and thrive. And that's just extremely different to what I know of as golf in the United States. I feel like it's always some level of excuse. I know that might be a little, little rough to say, but it feels like an excuse to, you know, from the members, I don't want to give up my golf course or, you know, we don't want the damage that's associated with hosting a tournament. And every single one of the individuals that we talked to that's a member at Royal, were so, so proud to be hosting this tournament and seemed ex- like they would prefer it this way to having a week of perfect golf conditions to, to play for themselves. I, I think that uh, uh, that just really, really stuck with me. Well, there's something to also a, a course in a club that, it, when a tournament doesn't stress it doesn't stress the limits of of what they're capable of right. everything felt so turnkey like the food operate again i know people don't care about this but like the food operations the the maintenance staff like their ability to maintain a golf course and be in total control of the golf course and not let it slip away from them and not get too soft at any point like getting people in and out of the property you know getting people spots to view from and good vantage points and uh you know getting people across the street to the practice range like all of it was completely seamless, absolutely seamless with volunteers and everything. And it just, you got, you know, you, you, that comes from experience of host, you know, hosting events and just giving people access to the club. I don't know. Everything just flowed so, so impressively. And yeah, man, there's, we, I, I'm super appreciative of, of all of the, you know, ro- the Royal members and the non-Royal members that were out there just like super keen to hear about our experience on the Sam belt and the, the pride they take in, all their golf. We went across the street to uh, Sandy Golf Links, which is formerly known, I think, as Sandringham Golf Club. Um, it is an 18-hole golf course that is completely open to the public. They do 72,000 rounds a year. Uh, I hope I get all the, the kind of the phrasing and the understanding of this right. But uh, it, it is uh, it, the same maintenance staff as Royal Melbourne. They have the same mix on their greens, which is, I, I believe, a proprietary mix that the only places in the world you can play what's called Sutton's Mix on the greens is uh, Royal Melbourne and Sandy Golf Links. One of them is, uh, you know, exclusive private club. One is couldn't be more open to the public. If you have, I believe, 60 Aussie dollars, which is like 40 U.S. dollars, and you want a sandbelt experience, you can show up at Sandy Golf Links and play the golf course. It's been redone by uh, Mike Cocking and his uh, design team. Uh, into a par 65 uh, with seven par threes, 11 par fours. They 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 lost a couple holes due to the the big practice facility they built there. But man, at no point are you thinking like, well, I just need a par five right now. Like you just, uh, I, we we play. It's a full length golf course, full big boy golf shots, really difficult par threes. Really, it's a challenging golf course for 
you know, low handicaps. It is very approachable and playable for higher handicaps. And uh, it, it did not exist like this when I was here six years ago. I remember driving past it and not thinking anything of that property. And now I was showing some people some photos of, of Royal Melbourne, and I, and I was just swiping through my phone, and I said, hey, stop me when we get to the photos of Sandy Golf Links. And I, the people I was showing never stopped me because the golf course looks the exact same. It's not the exact same. I don't want to give a false billing, but it is incredible what they've done and what the, the, the sand belt experience you can have for $40 U.S. across the street from Royal Melbourne. Yeah, when we were talking to the, the GM, um, I assume facetiously said, if you par all of the uh, – all the par threes, you can play golf here for a year for free. And uh, so yeah, that sounds like a nice challenge. Let's go ahead and get after that. Uh, well, we got to our first par three and uh, it was over. No, it's just as simple as that. Happening. So yeah, it's, uh, it's again, challenging golf. They, they take a lot of pride in it, it being challenging um, as well, even at that municipal level, but extremely approachable. You know, we saw individuals out there with, uh, with their kids on the you know Himalaya style putting green, uh, just it was it was really really interesting to uh, you know be on the putting green and directly across the street seeing the sign of the entrance of Royal Melbourne. It, it's hard to describe how close this is. Like it is it, it it even so when you get on the west course you leave the main paddock and play four holes over on this side of the road and like uh, we took the drone up too and it's pretty I I. I I'm quite familiar with this, and I was struggling to like find which holes are the Royal Melbourne holes and which holes are the San, uh, Sandy Golf Links holes. Like they sit on the same property, same exact, like not same exact firmness and bounciness, but like some people say the greens at Sandy are harder than the ones at Royal Melbourne. They're newer and they play a little firmer, but like it is the same turf. It's a unique, uh, na the unique nature of the sand belt provides these playing conditions that are the most fun in the world to play. And I, it, it's just, they're, they're really proud of what they've done over there. And, and they really should be because they've, uh, they, you know, the maintenance staff refers to it as Royal Melbourne North, like the North course. Uh, and uh, the, 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 just copying over those maintenance practices gives, you know, again, the everyday public a, a, a chance to play a golf course that's really, really special. It's just really cool. Yeah. So we got out there and, you know, of course, of course, Solly and I are having to play some some competition amongst ourselves for nothing but pride. Good match to start. Good match. You 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 clip me uh, on the 18th hole. I hit a little uh, skull something or another. Um, the dad back is a little bit of an issue. It's going to act up at times. You got me at Sandy Golf Links. We also got a chance to play 18 holes at the Woodlands. Uh, we wanted to get. I want to get to a place I hadn't played before and try to get a little off the beaten path. A golf, an underrated golf course on the sand belt is about 15 minutes away from Royal Melbourne. Had a fantastic experience there. Uh, I had Benny five. I had you five up at the turn. You got it all the way down to one down, but I clipped you two and one uh, there. So we're tied on our matches as we get ready to play the composite course. We'll get to that in a little bit, but. Greatly enjoyed Woodlands. Had two of the coolest golf holes I've played on the sand belt. Oh, yeah. The third and fourth holes. Uh, the third, this cool little short par four, dog legs to the right. With you could hit driver, you could hit five iron off of it. I would play it differently than I played it. Uh, of course, as soon as you see it, perched up green, really, uh, really kind of these small, cool angular greens on this course. And then the fourth was this. 240 par four with one of the coolest green sites I've ever seen. I would struggle to describe it. Uh, it. It kind of kind of reminds me of like the 14th green at Bandon Trails, if you've ever been, of this weird perched up small green that seems is really hard to get aboard with all these cool, like it's kind of narrow in the front and then widens in the back. 
all of these spots around. Like I don't know where you're supposed to leave it. Like it's so severe the upslope going into that green that if you're not coming straight into it, it's going to bank your ball left or bank your ball right, and it's going to be really really hard to get aboard. And you can make the guy we played with said he's made a two and an eight on back to back days on that hole, and I believe that in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was hard, man. Woodlands was hard. hard. Yeah, really really tough golf course. Bogies are somewhat easy right you can kind of chop it up to the the edge of the greens and you know find a way to uh to two putt after getting aboard but getting the ball close is just impossible it's so so hard i don't know how people make birdies out here did you did you ever i i made one birdie did you make a birdie i made two, birdies. Made two birdies that's right it uh it, it really <laughs> you got to make a putt from from a distance or kind of flukishly end up with one really close to the hole like i i again it, it's there's it just i wouldn't say luck involved with it the luck comes from like consistently hitting the the proper shot and at some point it's going to end up getting really close to the hole you got that's right you made the great birdie on four getting up and down up that slope which we did capture on camera thankfully but yeah but that was a prayer i mean uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely it's, prayer. it's it's kind of a joke but um, if you can't tell we're just we're kind of buzzing off of uh off the week down here i wish we could spend a, a whole another week down here um didn't get over to to any of the other we didn't get over to vic um we may sneak over to kingston and play the, the new par three course this evening not sure yet but we got to talk about the match the match everyone's talking about it around town <laughs> we sure were we were letting everyone know <laughs> this is not your fault um at all you haven't said anything about this but uh kind of flippantly in our slack channel kvv uh referred to ben as, as being the best golfer at nlu pretty like laissez-faire too like yeah oh yeah of course well, of course yeah ben's the best you are the lowest handicap by by almost three shots now at this point but um, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I, and I took that personally a little bit. I feel like I've held that crown for quite some time. You've passed me on the handicap front, but I, f- I feel like you got to take it from me on the golf course, right? Yeah. And, and, and yeah. you did nothing wrong here. This is directed I, at KVV. I and appreciate I'm, that. <laughs> <laughs> you're caught in the crosshairs here. I, I appreciate that. I, I think I've been, you know, pretty upfront that every time it's mattered, you've beaten me last year at the NIT. Uh, I had a, what, three shot lead and, you leapfrogged me on the last day when it mattered the most. I feel like I have not done what I need to do to have this, you know, very fake, very, <laughs> fake the crown. very not real crown. <laughs> Anyways, I feel but, like I've, we found ourselves here and I'm ready to compete. Let's do it. But and I'm willing to say, of course, if you beat me today on the composite course at Royal Melbourne, it's all yours. You can you, you can have the crown now. Once you have a child and you have a three-month-old and your back starts acting up <laughs> from lifting a baby in and out of the crib, we can talk. We can revisit this. Run we, it can back. Come, we can come right back to this. But uh, look, you know, I, I, I might not be at full strength these days, but that's, that is the current representation of what my golf game is. I can't just hold the crown, you know, and not defend it and play for it. So I'm greatly looking forward to this. Uh, we're going to film it. We're going to keep the results uh, kind of holstered here for some time until uh, until we we uh, nobody. I don't know if people really actually care. It's kind of fun. I think it's kind of fun. This could be a seminal moment. I could either school the kid or the kid could uh, could school the vet here. This is your second. I mean, you played Sandy Links and you played uh, the Woodlands, but this will be your third sand belt experience. You don't have a ton of experience on it. I've got some, but it's six years old. But uh, I'm I'm fascinated to see how this works out. Yeah, I, I I'm concerned for the content. It's- Disclaimer on the great. content. Yeah, it's, the score is not going to be pretty. We know no. that. Um, just know that this style of golf is. Ex- you can roast us all you want, but this style of golf is going to be extremely, extremely difficult. Yeah, we're we're looking at the forecast right now with uh, 
gusts up to 30. And um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I didn't know that. Yeah. It so, already, it's hard to describe how firm and fast the golf course already is. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. So I think that there's going to be some holes that are going to be won with Bert or with Bogey. Oh, for sure. For sure. Double bogey, potentially. Um, I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting, but um, I'll be curious to see how we feel about you know Royal being played from a match play perspective. Because I think as good as it was from a stroke play perspective, it's as we saw in the Presidents Cup, it might even be better. And I meant to kind of get into a little bit of this more at the top of the show as well. But Jeff Shackelford had a great bit in his uh, in his newsletter just about I, I again flipping back over to the pro side of golf. I. I, I I, I've lost so much hope for how all of that has been managed that like I kind of if somebody says, hey, there should be a major at Royal Melbourne. I'm like, all right, like, of course there should, man. But like, it's fucking complicated. It's really difficult. And I don't think that's ever going to happen. But he laid a pretty compelling case for in the years where there's Olympics for having a February major, be that the PGA championship or whatever at Royal Melbourne. And it like the light bulb has kind of gone off for me. Like, look, it takes the PGA of America, uh, their championship to go, want to go abroad to do that. Um, the, if you, it, the, this, what he laid out was, all right, we already have the farmer's insurance open on the PGA tour that ends on a Saturday now because of AFC and NFC championships. That ends on a Saturday. You fly everyone that night on a chartered plane from the farmers to Melbourne you, in, you land on Monday, which is the start of tournament week, and you play a major championship in February between championship weekend in the NFL and the Super Bowl. Somebody convinced me that's not an incredible idea. Like, you can, the, the Australian government put up, I believe, 18 million US dollars to bring the President's Cup back in, in 2028. Like, the, there, is, there is government funding of, available for this. I don't know if they need to up the per, I don't know what they need to do to get people down here. Maybe it needs to come in an era where the golf ball is rolled back to play a stroke play event at Royal Melbourne. Ironically, the PGA of America does not seem to be uh, keen to support the rollback initiatives of the RNA and the USGA, so it's, it's complicated there. Uh, but man, the golf world needs uh, the golf world needs more top level golf on the sand belt. We've known that. I've, I've been dismissive of that in the past because of how spoiled and ruined the game of golf is when you can roll over next door and play for 20 million dollars like how much do you have to put up to get people to travel all the way to australia when you know their earnings in this event are taxed at 49 percent and it's it's just complicated it is but man seeing the top level golf in person here it just does break my heart that we don't see this proper test happen frequently enough yeah i mean it i, I would say that you know i think there's this Maybe I'm making this up in my own head, but this feeling that the Australians are upset or frustrated that the world of golf doesn't get here. No, they are, they definitely are, yeah. and it's deserved. It is a. I just don't know where to place that blame. You know? Right, right. I don't know where to place it either. But um, you know, I, I was getting the sense of they're they're kind of to the point of accepting of what they get, and I think that's you know pretty unfair yeah. um, based on on what we saw. I mean, I think. A major out here at, in the middle of summer, if it really is firmer than that. Yeah. I mean, I think Randy would have an absolute yes. I'd be a pig and shit out. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how this course gets firmer than it has been, but I, I, everyone has told us that it actually would. It, it is just it is the best test of golf, man. It really, really is. And maybe look, maybe the top level pros, maybe the Xander Shoffleys, maybe all of them would make it look sillier. 
just with their ability to spin the ball, how far they can drive it, and maybe it. it what I appreciate about Royal Melbourne is you can't just hit driver everywhere and go find it because you have to take the proper line at the proper distance and have the proper rollout, right? You can't just bomb a, a drive up near the green at 10 West because if you end up in the wrong spot, you cannot get it up and down. On 18 West, which was eight tournament, you can't just bomb driver over the corner because everything cambers away from you. It's firm. It might roll out of bounds. Like You just have to hit the right shot off the tee and actually position yourself because you can't just the holes just don't play straight. Like you can't just bomb drive and hit a wedge in like you have to, it's just, it's, it's complicated. It's a complicated way of playing the game. And I don't know, maybe it doesn't hold up. I would a rolled back golf ball just a little bit on Royal Melbourne would just make all the sense in the world to me. It really, really would. Um, I don't know. He may, again, read it in Jeff Shackelford's newsletter. He makes a really, really compelling case that, uh, that it, that it could and should happen. Yeah. So. And, the viewing, I think, would be phenomenal. That was my my one big takeaway about the composite routing was oh, yeah. any hole is just one hole away yeah. from the center of the maze, Yeah, which was, was wild. I, I found myself neat. I was going out to shoot some photos for one of the mornings, uh, something I greatly enjoyed. It was so fun just walking around the golf course. It was, and I was like, oh, should I go over to, uh, to 5 West? It's a little far away. It's like... Oh no no no! It's one hole away. So yeah, I'll go over there. It is. It's just you could yeah. If you stand on like the one east tee um, or three uh, seven west tee, like you're just yeah, you're not far away from anything. And uh, just you can just look at the golf holes and have a great time. I mean, you hear the like the birds sound different, a little different to us down here, and it just sounds exotic. And uh, it's just a special special place. If you can't tell, I'm quite smitten, but. Anything else from the uh, the Asia Pacific Amateur? Well, I want to give a, a, a shout out to Ross Flanagan. He's a, uh, a a golf content maker down here of of many different persuasions. He helped us out this week. Was a tremendous uh, tremendous help, um, and you, that that will shine through in our content eventually when we get to editing this. Ben's got a lot of work to do uh, on that front. Um, and just shout out to all the Australian golfers down here that are yeah, have supported our content and came up and said hi. I I, I truly don't think i've ever felt the love anywhere in any one single location stronger than i do here in melbourne so we greatly greatly appreciate that. absolutely couldn't agree more around the rest of the golf world which i gotta admit we've struggled to keep up with a little bit this week um but it was actually kind of close to our time zone but celine boudier beat adia titikun in a nine-hole playoff uh at the maybank rose zhang had a 54-hole lead uh and was unable to convert it didn't get to watch any of that uh as we were out uh, doing a lot of other stuff, as noted. Um, but nine-hole playoff sounds like it would be very enjoyable to watch. And I'm, I'm, I'm bro- heartbroken for for Rose. She's already got a victory. It would have been nice to get a second victory in her first five months. But it sounds like that was a hell of a tournament. Yeah. Um, I always kind of watch this specific uh, LPGA tournament at home just because it's good good time zone viewing it seems like there's always some sort of weather that's that's interrupting it it sounds like there are a couple holes into the playoff and ended up being suspended, suspended due, in a playoff. Weather during the I playoff. saw I picked the clips back up when I woke up I was like nine hole playoff like right. holy shit I hope people got to watch that uh Sammy uh Valamaki won I hope I'm saying that right won the I just now realized I don't know if I've ever said that name out loud I've seen it a million times but he won the commercial bank Cotter Masters in a playoff over Jorge Campillo um and I think that's kind of it for the week I mean haven't really kept up that well with with golf news around the world. I know it, the news came out that Endeavor is out as a potential investor for the PGA Tour. Um, sound like their bid was pretty not serious. I, I, I again, I 
I'm kind of taking just a little break from all that stuff. And uh, I, I, I have no idea what's happening at all in that part of the golf world. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm fine to just find out whenever they tell us whatever they decide what they're going to do. So we're going to keep we're going to keep we're going to start going over around to other other places and trying to find some some other interesting golf stories. So I think that's about it for the week, man. I appreciate everyone uh, that clicked on an episode about a golf tournament that you probably probably just didn't care a whole lot about prior to this week. I hope we helped elevate that at least a little bit. I, I again credit to credit to to the RNA and the Masters and the Asia Pacific Golf Federation for bringing this event to Royal Melbourne and to the Royal Melbourne members. That um, again, like I don't we've not attended these events when they've been in Thailand and China, and uh, I don't know if I'll go to the one next year in Japan. But it speaks to uh, the pro- when you bring a golf course to a proper venue, how much it helps elevate it and bring it it just helps the golf world get introduced to it that much. And, uh, it seems like that message has really resonated with the, uh, with the organizers and some, the, some of the rumors for future courses of this event are, seem to be very interesting as well. So I hope it, I hope it continues to go to some bangers because it's only going to further elevate an event that, uh, again, is on the up and up. So, yep. yeah, absolutely. And, uh, got to pat myself on the back. I did not crash the car. First time driving on the the wrong side of the the road, wrong Did side of the vehicle. <laughs> you were hugging that left side a little bit. I was yeah, riding the passenger yeah. seat, it was making me a little nervous. But you did not crash it. No dings in the car. Huge. Um, and uh, all right, I think we got a got a stretch. I got to stretch the back. I got to find a, an activation here, and uh, it's time to go have uh, a once in a lifetime opportunity to play the composite course uh, at Royal Melbourne. And we greatly appreciate that opportunity. And we thank everyone. For listening and for saying hello this week, and uh, I hope we, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to figuring out how to beat the jet lag coming home, but great, 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 great trip down here, and uh, thanks to all that helped make it happen. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything.